We are in a series right now called Legacy. My name is Andy Stovall. I am a campus pastor at the bridge, right? <laughs> I've been everywhere, and it has just been my privilege and honor to be with you at the Goldsboro campus this past month. I've really, really enjoyed it, and we're going to continue to enjoy the journey. And uh, I want you to get your Bibles, if you will. Also, I want you to uh, make note of some things. Um, we have an app that you can go to. If you have version. anybody got version on your telephone? Yes. Go into version. Down at the very bottom right-hand side, you're going to be able to click on, yeah, I believe it's More. And when you click on More, it identifies where you are. You're at the Goldsboro campus. You can click on Goldsboro campus, and it gives you all the sermon notes. It is amazing. It is an incredible thing. And I uh, hope you take advantage of that this morning as we talk about keying in on one word, inheritance. We have received a tremendous inheritance. Uh, 27 years, Pastor Farrell uh, and Miss Millie served here at the bridge. This campus, being 10 years old, did an amazing job sowing into this campus and just all the things that God's done in that time. The 99 years that this church has been in existence, I bet you didn't have any idea that we were that old. But we're going to be 100 next year. Isn't that pretty cool? And so God has given us a tremendous inheritance and a tremendous legacy. And here is the primary thought. One generation's inheritance is the previous generation's sacrifice. We saw that in the bumper just a moment ago. And then we saw this. Any generation that is unwilling to sacrifice reduces the inheritance of the next. And so we want to we key in on that thought and on that idea and look at how we can do more to leave a legacy of faithfulness for those that come behind us. Somebody sacrificed for us, didn't they? And we thank God for that. And we want to make sacrifices ourselves so that the generations that will follow can say thank you for what you left behind for us. Uh, if you want to put anything on social media, you can do that at hashtag LegacyHNL. That will let us all see that information. If you would like sermon notes from the last several weeks, you can also email us at info at bridgechurch.cc. We'll be happy to send you. I'll send you all the notes that I have, everything that I've got. I'll shoot it to you, okay? So, last week we talked about a multi-generational church. And the value of that, that we value every generation, our kids that just left the worship auditorium, the parents that are here today, and the grandparents that are here today, you are all so incredibly important, and we love you so much. And today we want to shift our focus to the idea of service, leaving a legacy of service as we work and move in the kingdom of God. Now I want us to look at three basic biblical principles and in Matthew 25, it is, it is spelled out. How many of you know that Jesus shares stuff with us far better than we could think of it ourselves, right? And uh, he has given us a blueprint for living. And he's given us this blueprint for legacy. He has given us this in Matthew 25. When we think about the legacy of serving, I want us to look at three central ideas. And the first one we find in Matthew 25 Verse 14, and it is the principle of ownership. The principle of ownership. Now, it says right there, it begins with, it will be like a man who's going on a journey. And what, what 
It is, is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to him. Now, I want you to see the spiritual implication here. It's like a, a very wealthy man who's going on a journey, and he says, okay, this is the stuff that I have, and I'm going to trust it into your care. I own it, but I'm trusting it to you to live wisely with that which I've given you. Do you see the spiritual parallel? We look in Psalms 50, verse 10. The Lord said, Every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to God. This earth that we have inherited, all the animals on it, guess what else belongs to God? We think about things and, and all that kind of stuff. I bought a home several years ago, and I own that, but if I quit paying property tax on it, I will find out how much I really do own it, right? Um, we're just, we're borrowing stuff. We're using things for a period of time, 70 or 80 years, and then it's going to someone else. And guess how it's going to them? Used, right? It, it wasn't ours originally. It all belongs to God, and He is just allowing us to use it. But it's not just stuff. And I want to key in on this today because the Lord's really been stirring my heart, and I'm going to go a little bit off script so media guys don't get scared. <laughs> But I do want to do something here today. God has entrusted us to each other. He's entrusted us with our children. But He's also entrusted us with each other to love one another, right? To pray for one another. To be an encouragement to one another. So I want us to do something here today. And I may be asking you to step out of your comfort zone just a little bit. But please indulge me. You don't have to get up. You don't have to go anywhere. But there are enough people in this room that you can turn to someone. And I want you to do this right here. I want you to do two things. And, and maybe if we can have just a little bit of background music playing, guys, while we do this. What I'd love for you to do in just a moment is turn to someone that you don't know. Because I'm telling you, this is an intimate setting. We love this setting. I, I, I love this church and the intimacy of this church and our worship auditorium. But it's easy to walk in here and not talk to anybody. One of the things, we did, a, we did a SWOT analysis. I don't know if any of you have ever gone through a SWOT before, but you determine your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And we did a SWOT. And one of the things that came up in that SWAT, we had some people who said, you know, I love the church, I walk in, I come into the foyer, it's awesome, everybody's super friendly, and I get into the worship auditorium, and nobody talks to me again. I sit down and I feel like I'm all alone, and I'm in a room full of over 140 people. And so what I want us to do today, and what I pray this will cause us to do, maybe it'll be a catalyst for us to really be intentional about connecting with others when we come into this place. This was something Pastor Jeremy, uh, who, who went before me uh, in this role, one of the things that he pointed out, and it's another thing that I want to continue to carry on. So here's what I want us to do. It's just two simple things. I want you to find somebody that you don't know, and you can do it right there where you're sitting. I want you to find somebody you don't know, find out what their name is, and then I want to ask you a very simple question. And look, you can be um, 
you can be as careful as you want to with this. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at someone and say, how can I pray for you? What's one thing that I can pray for you about today? Can we do that? That's not too awful scary, is it? All right, good. <laughs> Somebody's sitting there going, man, I knew I should have stayed home today. <laughs> I got to talk to people. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Find out somebody's name and what you can pray for them about. And go. Did I give you enough time? How many of you met somebody you've never met before? I'll ask again. How many of you met somebody you've never met before? And how many of you had the opportunity to get a prayer request from that person? Awesome. That is very, very good. I'll tell you what I want us to do right now. I want us to pray. And I want you, as I'm praying, I want you to think about specifically the request that was just given to you. And I want you to pray about that, alright, as we're praying. Father, we just thank you so much for the way you love us. We thank you for the call that you put on our lives to ownership. And ownership, part of that is owning relationships that you cause us to enter into. I believe this with all of my heart. I believe wholeheartedly there are no chance encounters. Never. For a believer, every encounter that we have is purposeful. You have a reason for it. And so God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for all of those encounters that have happened today. I pray God for the prayers for healing. Uh, my, my prayer request was for relocation. Maybe there's some prayers for family today. Whatever it is, we lift it up to you. We stand alongside our brothers and sisters, alongside those people that we just met, and we say, God, work a miracle. Lord, be big in their life right now. God, I know one of our very own, Tracy Schreffler, is at Kitty Askins right now with her father, Gene. His breathing has taken a turn. This may be the day that he changes neighborhoods, that his address changes from here to heaven. Be with that family, God. We stand with them. We pray for them. We ask you to help them and encourage them. We pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. While that pad is still playing, I want you to turn to your neighbor. It may be the person that you spoke to. It may be somebody you didn't talk to. But I want you to turn to them. I'm so sorry for making you uncomfortable today. But I want you to turn to them and I want you to say you are not alone. You are not alone. I'm praying for you. And God is for you. And He's with you. And He's going to get you through. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm telling you, we need to know that. We need to know we're not alone. Because when we get in the midst of that fight, can I tell you where the enemy battles you the greatest? Where he, where he wins in his battle for your soul in more than any other place is in isolation. If he can get you alone, if he can get you all by yourself, what do we do when we get in sin? What do we do when we get away from God? We close off, right? We close off. And that's where he is able to work the greatest. And so I encourage you to not do that. To make yourself available. To be vulnerable with people. And know that you are not alone. You don't have to do this alone. If you'll reach out, we'll be here. Will we be perfect? No. But we'll be here. And we'll love you the best we can with God's help. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. I hope you come back next Sunday. <laughs> I won't do this next Sunday unless you want me to. I, <laughs> I just got a great big no. Man, I, <laughs> I didn't know I was having to talk back. I'm getting heckled up here. <laughs> Well, you're in luck. I'm going to be in Kentucky next Sunday, so I'm going on the missions trip. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but man, thank you for allowing me to do that and loving me in spite of it. So, God has given us everything, and here's what we know about that truth. Everything belongs to God. So we treat it accordingly, including each other. Right? Including each other. Now, don't misunderstand what I just said. Everything belongs to God. But in order to go through adoption and be a child of God, God created everything. And this is a whole other sermon, but I do want to make this clear. We're God's children because we receive Him into our heart and into our life. Amen? Alright, we're born separated from God. Let me give you a quick study here. We're born separated from God. We're born in need of Him. When we enter into a relationship with Him, when we ask Jesus to come into our heart and forgive us of our sin, acknowledging our sin, He is faithful to forgive us. Amen? Amen. All right, principle number two. In Matthew 25, verse 15, it is the principle of allocation. The principle of allocation. Now, we see this. To one He gave five talents of money. To another He gave two talents, and to another one, each according to His ability. Here's what we know from that passage of Scripture. God has given each of us some talent, right? Different measures of talent, different measures of ability. I watch Ron up here. He's playing that bass, and he's just boom, 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 doing his thing, you know, and I'm like, boy, that would be awesome 
but I would break his guitar if I tried to play it. All right? I don't, I don't have that ability. But God's given us all a measure of talent, and we all have talent. Now, the word talent referenced here in this scripture, it actually references money. It's $1,000 or right there about it. Um, over time, it's come to mean anything that I can do, hopefully, to serve others. But here in this story, in this reference, in this parable, Jesus says one guy was given $5,000, one was given $2,000, and another $1,000. Now here are a couple of details that are very important before we move on. Everybody got something, right? But nobody got the same thing. Everybody got something. Nobody got the same thing. Here's our tendency in the world we live in. We look around at what somebody else has got, don't we? Our tendency is to compare. Now, you can say you do or you don't, but I'm telling you we do. We have a tendency to compare. Ooh, when would you get that new car? Man, I might need to get me a new ride. When did you get that fancy thing or whatever? We, we begin comparing, and when we are comparing, we live in a place of discontentment. Now, where is the grass greener? On the other side of the fence. I thought somebody was going to say over the septic tank, but you didn't. So, um, the, the grass is greener where you water it. The grass is greener where you water it. God's given you a plot of land. It is your life. What has he allocated to you? How are you caring for it? Are we spending our life looking at what has been allocated to us and saying, God, I sure do wish I had such and such. I wish I had something else over there. Because, man, they got, and they got, and they got. And what God wants from you is for you to say, God, thank you so much for what you've blessed me with. Help me use that to help somebody else. See, we don't have any no-talent people here. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a talent. Everybody's been allocated something. But we have to remember in this allocation process, whether it is little or much, it's all God's. It all belongs to Him. Romans 12, 6 says, We each have been given different gifts according to the grace given to us. We have different gifts according to God's grace. Now, why is that important? Because we can't get boastful and proud about a gift. I didn't earn that gift. There have been a whole bunch of things I've got at Christmas time I didn't earn, okay? We got it because of love, because of grace, because it was a gift that was simply given to us. So we don't brag about that. It all belongs to Him. So we see the principle of ownership, the principle of principle of allocation and then lastly the principle of accountability and yes I said lastly <laughs> we'll be done shortly God expects me to use my talents he holds us accountable he made an investment and he expects a return in Matthew 25 19 it says after a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts 
Now hear me. One day God's going to do an audit. And he's going to look at our life. And he's going to ask this question. What did you do with what I gave you? What would you do? Not just with the stuff. Not just with the money. What would you do with the gifts? What would you do with the abilities? What would you do with the person who looked at you on July the, what's today? 15th? 16th? I should know it's the 16th. My data resets tomorrow. <laughs> For all you millennials that that matters to <laughs> You're going, yes, data reset. Uh, what'd you do with that prayer request that was given to you on July the 16th? Did you say, oh, yes, I'll pray for you and go home and never think about that person again? What do we do with it? There was a little girl from Alabama. Anybody, anybody an Alabama fan in here? Little girl. I, knew, I knew I had one, that's why I said it. <laughs> From one Alabama fan to a Georgia fan. Little girl, from, little girl from Alabama went to church for the first time with her grandparents in Michigan. When the pastor announced it was time for the Lord's Supper, they all stood up. The way they received it that day, they all came to the front. They came up and the pastor handed them a wafer and a little cup of juice. Little girl's watching this and looking at her grandparents and she's like, the world is going on so she cannot wait to get back to her seat and talk to her grandmama about this thing that has just gone on because the pastor announced we were having supper and she was so hungry and she said grandmama I'm going to tell you one thing Jesus ain't from Alabama and she said how do you know that dear and she said because that was the poorest meal I have ever received in my life if we were in Alabama, Mama would at least give me cornbread and sweet tea. <laughs> now, she gave an audit of what she saw right there. And that's not the same audit that we're going to get from the Lord one day. But we tend to do that ourselves. We, we kind of size things up. Some of you are here today sizing it up, giving an audit, saying that guy's a lunatic or whatever. Um, but we do that. But God's going to do an audit one day. And he's going to ask, what did we do with what we were given? Here's the good news this morning, guys. He wants every single one of us to pass. He wants every single one of us to do well in this. See, we're, we're going we're gonna to go through a final exam, and there are really only two questions in that exam. And here are the two questions. The first one has to do with entry into heaven. It's this. What right do you? An imperfect being have in asking me to let you into my perfect house. What right? What's the answer? The answer to everything. He is the answer to everything. Somebody just said it a minute ago. I heard, Jesus is real low. Jesus, right? Our answer is, I trusted your son's promise to cover the cost of admission. I trusted Jesus. And then the second question has to do with rewards and authority in heaven. And the question is, what did you do with the talents I loaned to you? What did you do with what I trusted you with? What did you do with the gifts? What did you do with the children? What did you do with others that I put in your path? How did you respond to them? What did we do? 
See, two guys invested their talents, and they had an increase. And the master was excited about the increase. He congratulated them, and he gave them more. And the first time you read it, you might look at that and go, well, here we go again. There's the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. But that's not what it is. See, we have to apply the law of use and abuse. The law of use says, I got to use this wisely. I got to use this prayerfully so that I can get the greatest return for what it is I'm putting out there. Abuse is doing nothing. See, the first two guys understood that they had to use their talents well and they got a return. But the third guy was so afraid he'd mess up. What did he do with it? What did he do with his talent? Does anybody remember? He buried it. See, the master came back and he said, Okay, these two, these first two invested. The one that had five invested. The one that had two invested. The one that had one Man, I'm just, I didn't want to mess up. So I'm going to bury it. And what does the master say? Matthew 25, verse 26. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. I don't know. I've had some people a little bit ticked off with me before. I think he might have been a little upset with them. You think? You wicked, lazy servant. He wasn't happy. Why? Because he had not given him the talent so he would bury it. He expected him to invest it and to gain interest from that which he had given him. Put yourself in their shoes. The first servant, he invests five talents. What was his return? He got ten, the Bible says. Second invested two. What was his return? Four. The third, well, you wicked, lazy servant. Why did you bury what I gave you? So how does that equate to us today? What happens when we get complacent, lazy, and fearful? We cease to run with determination, and our lives as Christians becomes routine. It becomes just a ritual or event or rules. It's Sunday, so we just get up and go to church. That's what we do, but then we're going to go home, and it's business as usual, status quo. Nothing really will change. We live that way long enough, we lose our spark. We lose the passion and the fire and the sense of wonder. Nine out of ten of us, Lose our spark because we sit on the sidelines and we watch somebody else in the game. You ever watch the Super Bowl? Anybody ever watch that? Even if it's just for the commercials or the chicken wings that get served at the party? I don't know. There are 22 men on the field desperately in need of rest. There are 200 million people watching desperately in need of exercise. That is the Super Bowl. Amen. And it is a parable of the modern church. It is. Our tendency is that we watch. We look at it happen in front of us. And God is saying we've got to get in the game. He never intended on us to bury our talent. We can think of a thousand great reasons why we can't use our talent. Why we can't, let, let's break it down to the local church level. Why we can't serve in the church. 
man, I would serve, but man, I don't have ability like fill in the blank. I can't do that. Another, another reason that we give why we can't serve. I would serve, but I'm, man, I'm really busy right now. Would the person who's not busy raise their hand? That's exactly what I thought. Everybody's busy. Do not use that excuse. I'm too busy. When you look at somebody and say, man, I'm just too busy. I can't do that. I'm too busy. Now, there, there may be times that that's applicable. But that, if that's your go-to every time, man, I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. Man, that is really an affront to the people you're talking to. Because what you're saying to them is, well, you don't understand Ron, what busy is, but I'm super busy. Now, Ron knows what busy is. He gets it. You guys understand busy. Busy's not the problem. Prioritizing is the problem. Amen? So don't use that. I'm not good at prioritizing. Use that one. <laughs> but not too busy. Then three, man, I would serve, but I've been hurt so badly. You just have no idea what I've been through. There's an, there's an adage about Christians that we're the only people, we're the only soldiers on the field that shoot our wounded. The big church. I'm not talking about the bridge specifically. But there's a tendency. Oh, How do we do that? How do we shoot our wounded? With people that are hurt. We give gossip cloaked in the form of a prayer request. Amen? Oh, I, look, I don't want to share. I'm not trying to tell anybody, anybody else's business, but if you could be praying about that, sorry, no good, <laughs> whatever, you know? If you've been hurt bad, you are in the right place. You know what we are? We're an infirmary. This is a hospital for hurting, broken people if you've been hurt you're in the right place and there are two stages of healing that you need to go through here's the first one the be still stage the be still stage I, I got hurt about five years ago I won't give you all the details my wife probably could give you more than I can but I got hurt pretty bad and I had to go through the be still stage I went through a month where I didn't move my leg I couldn't put weight on it I completely blew my knee out, had to have vascular surgery and all this stuff, and went through the don't move the be still stage. It was a very frustrating stage for my wife because every time she would get up and get me something and get settled herself, I would need something else. So she was glad when we got to stage number two, and this is the, the second stage for your healing, and that's the get moving stage. Ooh. Anybody rehabbed a joint before? Gone to physical therapy. First question I asked the physical therapist was, how did I make you this mad at me? Okay? I don't know what I did to make you so angry, but this is not fun. But there's the get moving stage where we got to get going. Even when we don't feel like it. Even when we believe there's no way, Doc, that I can do that. There's no way I can put weight on that. There's no way it's going to work like it used to. I had no idea when I hurt my leg, and, and those of you that have broken your leg, you've been through this too. I just did not realize what I had to learn how to do again. 
I remember the first time the doctor looked at me and he said, I want you to walk to the door right there, like five feet away. And I'm going, I don't know that I can do that without a crutch. He said, the time for crutches are over. Mm, did you catch that right there? The time for crutches are over. Andy, it's time to walk on your own two feet. And because he did that, and because he pushed me, I can jump-ish. <laughs> More gravity, but whatever. <laughs> but I can walk. I can do all the things that I did before to a degree. But only because I got moving. And what God is saying to us this morning, if we are using that, oh, I've been hurt. The Lord is looking at you today and saying, it's time to put the crutches down. No more. Let's get moving. Let's get walking. Am I not bigger than the hurt that you faced in your life? And I just might be in a position where I want to use the hurt you've experienced to help somebody else. See, we think of the talent, we think of that that God has um, allowed, or uh, that He's put in our life. All we think of is the good stuff, the abilities. Maybe there's some bad stuff we've gone through that God wants to redeem. And say, I want to take this negative thing in your life, I want to get beauty out of those ashes, and I want it to be something that can help somebody else, to encourage somebody else, so that you can look at them one day and say, hey, you're not alone, and guess what else? You're going to make it, because I've been through it, and I made it. And you can make it too. And I tell you what I'll do. I'll commit to walk with you through that process. Man, what have we done with what God has given us? We can't use it as an excuse. Matthew 25, verse 24, The man who received one talent said, Master, I know you were a hard man, so I went out and hid it in the ground. He thought that God was unpleasable, that... He just could not do anything to satisfy God. And God says that is absolutely not true. If you're afraid of using your talent, your gift, your ability, that thing God's called you to because you're scared you're going to mess up, God is saying this to you today. All I want you to do is take that first step and trust me. Believe. And I'll help you. I'll get you the rest of the way. Really, all I want you to do is just get out there and make the effort. I don't have the ability. I'm not equipped to do that. Good. Because then he doesn't have to retrain a bad habit you've developed and formed. Some of you have heard about the British preacher who came to America and he discovered... That there were only a few people serving in the local church. And he decided to preach on excuses that Christians make. What he didn't understand was British English and American English is different. So he gets up in the pulpit. He starts off talking about Christians who say, I would serve, but... And then he sets off into his three points. I would serve, but every Christian in America seems to have a butt. Some butts are bigger than other butts. You can't see your butt, but everyone else can. The moral of the story is clear. One day, 
God is going to expose your excuses. Right? We all have that, but I can't do it, God. Here's why. I would step out, but. I would do this, but. So what we got to do is say, God, I'm not going to use that little conjunction anymore as an excuse to not do something that you've called me to do. I'm going to step out and serve you. I'm going to step out by faith, which is stepping out on nothing and finding something there. Finding God there. So I want us to look at this chart that we have here. We developed an org chart here at the bridge in Goldsboro. You can't really see it. It's tiny if you're in the back. Maybe you up front can see a little better. But these are areas of service that you can step into here at the bridge. And here's all I'm asking you to do today. All I'm asking you to do today is pray. And say, God, what would you have me do? Where would you have me serve? What can I do to make an impact in the kingdom of God through this local church? Everybody has a talent. It's the, it's the principle of allocation. Everybody was given something, but everybody was given something different. And if you're sitting there today and saying, I don't have anything I can give. I don't have any talent that I can give. Somebody is depending on you to quit making that excuse. To put the crutch down and say, God, I will serve where you call me. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you putting that up there. So, I want us to pray. And I want us to ask God, Lord, where would you have me serve? How can I more effectively impact your kingdom? Now, the first step. Is saying yes to Him. The first step is trusting Jesus with your life. And then there's the second step. Saying, Lord, I'm going to step out. I'm going to answer the call. Now some of you that are here today are already serving. You've already answered that call and you're, you're working. And, and look, we don't want you serving so much that you're never sitting in the seat. But if you're not, and if you're a first-time guest here today, really, we're just glad you're here, and we want you to prayerfully consider coming back. So I'm not, actually, I'm not really talking to you unless you just feel led to do so. I don't want you to feel like, wow, I just got here, and now they're pressuring me to do something. I knew it. But if you're here, and this is home, and you own this place, and your responsibility here, then what is it that God's calling you to do? So Lord, as we hear your word today, and we look at Matthew 25, and go back this afternoon and read through that passage again, and look at this whole idea of, of the talents and stewardship and accountability with those those talents that God had entrusted, that the, that the master had entrusted to the servant. But God, as we consider that, may we consider those two questions on the final exam. 
the only two things that really matter at the end of this life and they are this why do you deserve to enter into the kingdom of heaven and what did you do with what I entrusted to you I pray that today as we are here we can say with all confidence yes I have received Jesus into my heart yes I have asked him to come in and forgive me of my sins I know I know that I'm I have a firm relationship with Jesus Christ I have received the gift of his grace if that's you today and you're here thank God if you're here today and you say I don't know that I've ever made that decision I don't know that I've ever heard it expressed that way Romans teaches us that the wages of sin or that all have sinned rather and fall short of the glory of God that the wages of that sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord I pray that today if you've never said yes to him today would be the day you say yes I'm gonna follow you and then after that I pray that you would say God where would you have me serve what can I do to be a part of what you're doing in the kingdom of God through this local church if this is where you call home I pray you'll answer that question. Lord, thank you for pressing in on us, for challenging us today. And help us, God, to make decisions that will honor you from this day forward. We ask it in Christ's name.